Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, Brave Table fam. Welcome to another episode of The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and I'm so glad you are here. Wow, today we have a really special episode, and today we are going to go quite into the deep end. We are going to be talking about domestic violence, and I know that for some of you, this can be triggering, and I hope that we can spark a different perspective today. And if you are someone who has gone through tumultuous relationships or perhaps suspects a friend, girlfriend, cousin, sister, brother, somebody that's really close to you that perhaps maybe they could be in a toxic or cancerous relationship. I hope you perhaps maybe can share this relationship to them and or maybe this conversation can give you a little bit more insight on how to best support them. Because again, it's Never when you're ready, if you're the supporter, it's when they are ready. And I can tell you this firsthand because a decade ago, I left my tumultuous and abusive, toxic relationship. And actually that was my first marriage. And I know that over the years, now a decade into this, uh, even starting out nonprofit for women and girls to champion their voices and to champion their self-confidence and self-worth. I've met so many and had so many conversations with women like you who perhaps maybe have seen their parents go through violent relationships or maybe have been in households where their voice never was heard or have had narcissistic parents, narcissistic partners. And I just hope that this conversation gives you a little bit of grace, a little bit of compassion that we are totally cheering you on. And I'm bringing on the ultimate life purpose cheerleader for you today, my dear girlfriend, Amber Valdez. Now, if you don't know who Amber is, she is just, she's a beacon of hope and she's had such an incredible life story and we get into it in this episode. Now, Amber Valdez is not only a former TV host, reality TV star, and NFL cheerleader, turned spiritual awakening guide, life purpose activator, and the industry's top coach for lightworkers and spiritual entrepreneurs. Now, Amber is leading the 1 million plus lightworkers to shine their light, unlock their voice, and activate their soul assignment so that they can be paid abundantly for their gifts. Now, in 2016, her book, Sticky Affirmations to Live Your Purpose, was a number one bestseller on Amazon, and she was recently named one of the top 60 spiritual influencers to be followed in 2021. Now, Amber grew up in scarcity and became a seven-figure earner as a business mentor and spiritual guide to an international tribe of lightworkers, aspiring coaches, mystics, and healers. She is the creator of the Lightworker Academy membership community, and she's done several workshops all over the world, retreats all over the world. And she's here to pay forward all the steps, tools, and spiritual practices she's learned on the path to love herself, own her worth, and get clarity on her soul assignment and create the life of her dreams to be paid abundantly for it, being the wind beneath others' wings. Wow, super powerful. And today we talk about when is it okay to leave a relationship and how to heal bravely from a relationship. Now, for those of you who have ever been in a toxic relationship or perhaps maybe have been in codependent relationships or have dated a narcissist or maybe that's your pattern and maybe today you are going to unravel that you know there's maybe a little bit of resonance in you or or that you see a little bit of yourself in Amber's story today and I know that for myself I 
Amber and I definitely are friends and we we have chatted at length at different kinds of relationships and partners. And I hope that you can be that person championing and cheerleading your friend. And whether they tell you the full story, because I remember in my deepest, darkest days of being in a tumultuous relationship, I didn't want my friends to know. I was so ashamed. I was living in fear. I was living in guilt. I was living in the Desi term, like what will other people think if they knew I was in this dark place, if they knew I was dating somebody that was not nice or not kind to me or in fact abusing me physically, mentally, emotionally. So I want you to know that you are not alone and it can be quite jarring for people. So at the end of this episode, I am going to share quite a few references and I hope you stick around. And without further ado, let's bring on Amber Valdez to this week's The Brave Table. Welcome to The Brave Table. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Amber. Amber, welcome to The Brave Table. Oh my goddess, I'm so happy to be here. Oh my goodness. So proud of you, girl. Girl, all of the things. We're just doing it. We're doing it and we're, we're just, we're bringing it all. And this is where, this is where it all happens. So, okay. So today I really want to talk about something that I know plagues so many of the professional women, women who are super ambitious, like their boss mamas, boss ladies. But when it comes to relationships, that's where we've got a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the question that I get asked a lot, which is why I want to, I think you're so perfect to have this conversation with, is how do we navigate relationships as women with big ambitions? And can we lean into our feminine Mm. in relationships? So Mm. let's let's get into all the juicy. Yeah, let's get into that. Thank you for asking that. And for those of you who are watching, I would think identify as a strong powerful, motivated woman, right? Mm. And it takes the right man to be able to hold that power, ladies. <laughs> and oh th- yes. Yes. And not be intimidated and scared. Yes. Yes. And or put you down and make you feel yes. less than. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All of that. And I think Nita and I are both just relating so much to each other and probably many of you is that it's hard to find, mm-hmm. but it is possible because you are a unicorn and your man out there or your partner out there is a unicorn as well, right? So it's really important for you to know that you're probably going to go through the relationships where you're going to find a partner who is intimidated, mm-hmm. who doesn't even know they're putting you down, but it's an unconscious programming or perhaps a narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's Shall dive we? in. Yeah. Let's do it. Because, do it. because I think narcissism and the word narcissist is so thrown around. That's like, he didn't call me back. He's a narcissist. Like ladies, not everybody's a narcissist. Yeah. Can you define? Yes. So the, what's, what I find interesting is one of my therapists mm-hmm. back in the day had mm-hmm. told me that narcissistic personality disorder was properly diagnosed and more diagnosed than even like bipolar disorder, any of those other disorders. It was so prominent really? that they actually had to remove it from the psychology books as oh a personality God. disorder because it was so prominent. Like overused, basically. Not just overused, but so many people suffer with narcissistic personality oh. disorder that's actually on the on the rampage. Like it's on, it's, it's completely oh. like okay. It was like off the charts, basically off the charts. So they're like, well, we just need to take this out because like there's so many people that are, and narcissists generally have one or more parents that are emotionally abusive or not available for them. So if uh, one or more of your parents was an addict or one or more of your parents um, withheld love or one or more, so you create essentially this personality to be able to navigate and to protect yourself, to protect yourself. It's really quite sad and from getting hurt, from getting hurt. And it's the sad thing is it's not curable. It's like one of those things that it's just, and without getting too woo. You could get woo. Okay. So from I, I being a empath, which you are Mm -hmm. and many of us are. Yes. Until we get to a certain level, I believe in our spiritual curriculum, our spiritual journey, 
Which you are just amazed. I mean, you you hold so many people through so many different avenues and and realms, three D, five D, all the all the all D's. The D's. Oh, but you, you still bring it back to reality, yes, which I love. Which we have to, because which, we live in the third dimensional construct, 3D. So yes. often, and that's a whole other tangent, but often people in my, my realm in the spiritual industry are way too in the 5D and they don't have a foot in the 3D and their lives aren't working because they don't take responsibility. They don't go into action and they just sit in the room and meditate, hope, wish, and want their life's going to change and play the victim to their circumstances in their life. So I And isn't that real. the freaking opposite of what they're trying to do in the world it anyways? Is. It is. The sense of entitlement yes. is, is something that I talk about a lot in my light work mm-hmm. community. So yep. at any rate, yep. backing it up to the narcissist. It's that I grew up in a mentally, verbally abusive home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom is mentally ill. She's never been properly diagnosed because in order to be diagnosed, you have to actually admit you have a problem. Mm. So that is one area a narcissist is unwilling to take responsibility, i.e. say sorry, unless there's a gain for them involved in that. Right. And it's everyone else's fault. Right? Always everyone Always, else's Always, no matter what. To this day, my mother has never said she was sorry for any of the mm. of the experiences that I was put through as a child. Mm. And it's all perfect because I gained so much and I wouldn't be who I am today. So unfortunately, the problem with narcissists is it's always your fault and they treat you differently at home mm. than they treat you in public. Mm. Yes. And they put on a show, a mask, a facade, a different personality to everyone around you. True. So everybody thinks you're crazy. He is such a nice guy, but she's such a cool chick. She's so chill. She's so this, but really they are a complete Jekyll Mr. Um, Mr. Hyde at home. Yeah. So I would say up until this boyfriend, every single one of my boyfriends has been a narcissist. Every single one. Every single one, except for maybe the ones that I didn't stay in relationship with because I didn't have to fix them. Right. Oh my gosh. And And as empaths. And as empaths, you take on their energy. So I'd have a lot of problems in my womb. The last relationship I was was in was extremely mentally, physically, emotionally, financially abusive. Mm. So much narcissism in that, in that, that human, however... The way that he shows up to the community, to everyone else, is a complete opposite. Completely different person. Of the man he was behind closed doors. And so that's why it's so hard for those you love or people around you to understand it because they're literally seeing yeah. two separate people. They're like, wait, no, that's not the person that's not that experience I hang out with. of him. Right. And I'm like, no. meanwhile. <laughs> so it's a great experience. And it, it makes you kind of feel like you're crazy oh, no, for no, the no, person. No, who is like going through it. Cause you and I both have had narcissistic uh, partners. So yes. No, you do feel like you're going crazy. Mm-hmm. At one point I was like borderline suicidal mm-hmm. because you keep thinking it's your fault because they're such master manipulators. And especially us as coaches who are always looking for ways to take responsibility. <laughs> Cause we're really good at that. We're really good so at taking responsibility. And we're doing the work. And, but <laughs> if you find a partner that doesn't know how you end up taking responsibility for yourself and for them. And therefore they never actually have to take responsibility. They don't need to take responsibility. Because you take it for all of them mm-hmm. and it add a little bit of codependency on there and then a little bit of empathic and you're in a recipe for disaster oh, and a, pain. A, a beautiful cocktail for constantly <laughs> like holding on yeah. and not letting go. Yeah. So <sighs> ladies and gentlemen, Oof. if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't take responsibility that you cannot um, make amends with, that you can't have closure, that you can't speak about your needs or your desires and you're made wrong or bad or evil or selfish for those you know, it is, I would invite you to go down the narcissistic rabbit hole and also telling a narcissist they're a narcissist is not going to do anything. It's about you taking responsibility about why you don't feel you deserve more and being able to do that good work on yourself. Mm. And so for me, being in so these good. relationships was yeah. is a gift because I've been able to manifest a beautiful partner. But on top of that, I was able to heal these unresolved wounds with my mother that was having me attract these men that I needed to help rescue or save or get them to affirm my worth. Right. Well, I'm doing all Big these things for you. Yeah. How can you not see my worth? And why are you not being kind to me? Let me do more kind things. Let I'm going to be more patient. Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me, let me, your thing. <laughs> let me, let me let you walk all over me basically yeah. because I don't think I'm deserving. Yeah. And it's not even a conscious thing. Cause like mm-hmm. me, I've been teaching, which is why it's so painful when successful, powerful women have this like, Oh my God moment of like, I feel like I've been in a spell. I teach self-worth. Because you can't even, you couldn't see it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because you think, well, I must be doing this for them to act that way. That would work with a normal person who has a bit of a more stable emotional intelligence. Right. But making sense of crazy is is 
No. Is makes you crazy. Right. Of course. And so I think that's the biggest distinction is Mm. the level of discernment and the level of self-worth that being in a relationship, narcissistic or not, where you're not getting your needs met and you're not being treated with the most dignity and kindness and respect. And I think that that's where we spin in a loop with a narcissist. You're never going to get the respect. You're never going to get it. And it's going to slowly take your light and it's going to slowly take your self-worth for as long as you'll let them suck. So back to the woo piece, Mm -hmm. I believe that narcissists are demons. And I believe Mm. that the narcissistic demons implant and take over a child's body essentially mm. from that space of needing to create this personality to survive. Yeah. And then essentially it's, it's a takeover. Right. And I've Fully. heard that a lot from a lot of my spiritual mentors that these are narcissistic demons that are literally put on the planet to affect light workers, to mm. distract them for their purpose and to rob them of their light, uh, which is why they literally will suck you until you're almost like dead in a corner. And then they'll step over you and be like, all right, who's next? Yep. And it's, it's, it's really sad because there's no rational thought. Mm. People are like, how could they do that? It's like to the average person with all their wires connected properly, they have empathy. Yeah. But narcissists by definition lack empathy and compassion. It's just literally not in their wiring in their DNA. Right. Do you think that with the work that they do though, can they come to terms with their narcissistic tendencies? I don't think I've been able to find that with the past narcissists that I've dated but I don't know. I mean, I, to this day, have still never received an apology mm-hmm. from my previous partner who was physically abusive to me still to this day, but is still in the work and as a coach and claiming like Jesus first, but like yet has not made amends to his partner. So that right there has me say, how can you operate and look at yourself in the mirror so and feel justified yeah. and be coaching other men to own and their worth? And so this person's like coaching other people, yeah. but not really owning no, his shit. And oh that I've been told there's a lot of spiritual narcissism in our industry is mm-hmm. that there's actually a lot of people who hide behind the face, behind the camera because they can't see themselves. Mm-hmm. But what I've been told by other therapists is that there's no cure for it. And the main problem is you have to like actually admit you have a problem, like being an addict, admit it right. before yeah. you can do the work. Exactly. You can't intervene in a world it's you refuse ex- to see. Right. And it's the acceptance part. It's a big piece, the personal responsibility, another big piece. But you're saying that it's just in, in this previous partner. Cause I remember the day where we were like going on a hike and that's kind of where you were sharing all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm having flashbacks of my own, like reckoning and leaving my really tumultuous, like relationship, which ended up being a divorce. And this was like a decade ago, but I was listening to your story and I was like, we, I, we didn't know each other that yeah. well at the time. So I was like, nah, I can't say I? anything. I think she knows, but maybe, ah, it's like, you don't want to believe like, there's no possible way I could find myself in this position again. Right. And be in well, such after denial. Hearing your, I mean, after hearing your full story and how we all have these, you know, these, these wounds with our parents or, you know, for me, it was abandonment and loss, but for you, it was literally like your mom had this illness. And there are a lot of these things that you had to do on your, I mean, take us back to, I think there's one of the stories that you shared when we were on this particular hike. And I was like, oh, wow. About your mom and just having to deal with all of this shit on your own. Yeah. And I think that when people say, well, God, she's so strong. She's taking it back. She's so, she's doing so well. She's abundant. She has all these clients. She's got these cool friends, a cool dog. Great. Like how could she? She's a TV host yeah. for so many years. Yeah. She's an NFL children and a TV host and like on a reality, a reality TV star and all these things. How could she put up with that? Like, mm-hmm. and that's why it's also even hard for people in your immediate circle to go, don't you see how worthy and beautiful and kind and amazing you are? Why would you ever be putting up with that? And Mm. I know that can be really painful and scary and lonely for people who are finding themselves in that position that might be watching or listening to this. It's that we adapt the survival mechanism. Mm. And it makes me like emotional even thinking about it. Like the armor in which I put on as a kid to survive, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Quick context. My dad was an addict in and out of our life. My dad ended up being my biggest cheerleader, right? He was sober for the last 13 years of his life. My mom mentally ill. The first time I was kicked out of my home 
was at four years old, just to give you guys context. Four. My first memory I, I remember is my clothes being thrown on my grandma's driveway and she lived in a really nice neighborhood. My grandma, first time being kicked out at four. Like, can you imagine kicking Ari out of the oh house? God, no. Like screaming, yelling the whole bit. So that gives you guys any context to the lack of logical reason and ration in my mom and doing the best she can, right? Mm. And I have nothing but love for her. And I'm so grateful for this soul's curriculum that I had that has put me where I am today. But navigating through no logic or reason, walking on eggshells, literally I've walked on my tippy toes my whole life, Mm. um, literally, and didn't want to make a noise, didn't want to make a problem. So I learned to be a bit of a chameleon. Yeah. And I learned to be super resourceful and I learned to lit love really hard my friends and like create these little soul families because they didn't have it. But mm-hmm. we grew up on welfare. We grew up on food stamps and free lunches. And mm-hmm. I wanted to run for office for my school. Mom's like, we don't have money. I want to be cheerleader. We don't have money. So I would do fundraisers or I would, I ran for like state treasurer of DECA, which was a marketing organization. Oh my and I gosh. Like called around what? to office depot and office max and McDonald's and got coupons and like created this whole campaign where Resource everything was fuck. sponsored. Yeah. Right. So everything, everything for, for, for cheerleading, um, not for cheerleading for this marketing organization that I ran for state office and won. Oh my God. And so I was like, we don't have money for that. We don't have money for that. We don't have money for that. So I learned how to just make a way out of no way. But you found every single time. Every time. Mm. And I learned about the law of attraction and manifestation and being so committed and focused on a goal and a dream. So your personal growth journey started super early. Very early. Yeah. Yeah. Because my house was in constant breakdown. My mom was trying to kick me off at cheerleading every week at school, showing up at schools, child protective services weren't out of the house, which leads me to the biggest breakthrough that happened this year was when all this stuff was going down, you know, some of my dearest friends, no fault of their own, really didn't believe what happened Mm. because I had been so honest about so much, but I was withholding some of the really intense physical stuff because I was embarrassed and I felt empathy and compassion and no, he has so much childish wounding. And as a coach, you can rationalize the trauma, but also sometimes you don't know how to walk away, especially when you have the imprints that I had as a kid where this was sure. normal. Yeah. Like having a person who in your house who was one way, one second, one way, the next, I navigated great through that. Yeah. And you navigated like, great. I survived. You survived. You were surviving and you had to go on eggshells again in then this yes. relationship. And so that all happened and it literally brought me back thank God, to this moment in in high school when Child Protective Services didn't believe me Mm. when I told them the physical abuse that was happening. And they made me go back and live with my mom. And I remember my my friend brought it up to me and I blocked this memory out. She's like, don't you remember? Your teacher told you to go to the on-site policeman. You told him the problem. He arrested you because you were reported as a runaway, mm-hmm. even though she had kicked me out my bra and underwear in the snow. Oh my God. And so you're brought in your underwear in, in the, the snow. snow. Yeah. 15, oh I, 16, I got kicked out and I forgot this whole memory that my best friend told me. And then the child protective services made me go back to my house with my mom. Mm-hmm. And so that moment I made up the story, well, it must not be that bad mm-hmm. because if it was, they would take me out of here. Yeah. Right. It must not be that And bad. so that activated me being able to hold this relationship where, you know, your friends can give you advice, but they don't know what it's like behind closed doors. And if you're dumbing it down because you don't want them to hate your boyfriend or your husband to protect them. Or if they've never experienced any sort of domestic violence before, they don't even know how to react. They think it's like not dramatic. I'm overreacting. It can't be that bad. Well, what did you do? What Mm -hmm. did you say? What did you do? And when you have friends who also believe in taking responsibility and Mm -hmm. you think you're dealing with a person who's mentally well, they're like, well, what part did you play? So Mm -hmm. then you're like, you know what? I did. And, you know, as a because you self-development addict, (laughs) personal growth junkie, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So that's why. And it's really hard, but every time I think that we we get out of these relationships, we grow so much and mm-hmm. it, it can be really challenging because sometimes those personalities are attracted to women who are powerful um, because they want a piece of that or they want to ride the coattails of that. And in this experience, I mean, that person met all of my friends and, you know, my industry and all my I deep mean, friendships I've created for almost 10 years now. Huge. Let them Huge. into your world. And and that's and that's how they fly and thrive. And it's almost like the parasite that kind of, you know, gets what they want and will do anything to get what they want in that scenario. Oh, yeah. Now, I want to kind of bring up because there's so much to unravel and unpack and like what you just shared. Obviously, for anybody who's listening who has a girlfriend 
who you see through exactly what she's going through and you're like, yep, she's going through something similar. Or if you yourself are like, oh shit, this is like my scenario. And yeah, I don't even know if I can share any of this with my friends. Being powerful and having your own light, you know, this is obviously not an easy conversation to have. God, no. And I think that, how do you have it? It's like, it just starts. I think that, you know, well, I want to take us to that moment of like, when did you recognize or reconcile with yourself that like, okay, shit, I got to peace out. Two moments. My dear brother, Adam Roa, was staying with me and was kind of experiencing what was happening. And I remember him just looking at me and I was like, I don't want to abandon him. Mm. Right. Like he means well, he's a good heart. And I can, you know, so you see the trauma, like a deep trauma with someone and you do enough trauma work. You can see others' trauma, but often you can't see your own. Right. And my trauma was like, I have to help, I have to save, and all that. And I said, I don't want to abandon myself. And he said, babe, you're abandoning yourself. Mm -hmm. He's like, you worked so hard to get out that last narcissist relationship. Like, you can't Mm. get into another one. Like, you're losing yourself. Mm. Like, you're going crazy. You're starting to go crazy. Because it was just like shoving a circle in a round peg, right? Paying for coaching, paying for relationship coach, doing all the things to try. It was that moment. And it was the moment of my coach basically saying she wasn't going to work with me anymore until I ended it. She, oh, she, she basically didn't you say, out. she yeah. basically didn't say, you need to end this relationship. I'm not working with you. But she said it in such a way that was like, I don't know that we can continue this, this coaching relationship mm. until you've made a decision because you cannot heal in an environment that is causing you pain. Oh, you cannot heal an environment that's causing you pain. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my coach. And I mean, this is like a world renowned look up to somatic coach. Like, you know, she ain't cheap and she's a beast. <laughs> and she's like, it was hard enough to even get on her roster. Right? right. And then for her to basically say like, there's nothing, she goes, there's nothing 5D about your relationship. And like, I was just like, wow. Right. And to have that right mirror away. and that reflection of someone you look up to. Right away. I was like, oh yeah, I can't. And when I finally ended it, she was like, okay, great. Now we can actually get in there and do the work. She's like, cause she was like, I don't want to waste your money. And she's like, I don't want to waste my time. This is not healthy. She's <sighs> like, this man is toxic and you need to get out. And um, so did she say that initially, but you weren't ready for it? Or did she say that? And then that was kind of the light bulb. She never told me like, Yeah, it was basically when she was ready to like fire me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That I had to look at it, you know, she's like, this is toxic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't work with you if you're, because all we're doing is working on your trauma response. Mm -hmm. Like we're not actually getting the deep work in. And shout out to all the coaches who hold people through these really tough situations and are not afraid to be like, all right, this is what it is. I'm going to call you out. And especially when you know that your clients are like in... Pain. Sometimes, well, pain or even grave danger. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like I wasn't even being honest with my coach about the physical abuse, right? Until, you know, the end when it all went down and mm-hmm. it was really so powerful. I mean, it activated that trauma and it activated, you know, the wounds that needed to come up and out. I'm so grateful for that relationship. I wouldn't have had that deep healing and clearing. Mm-hmm. And I really went, I had 21 healings in 30 days. And I was like in it, like some days could not even get out of bed, didn't eat, like suicidal. Like it was like, I was going through a whole dark night of the soul again. Like I thought I went through my dark night of the soul at 35 when my dad died and I decided I wouldn't want to be on TV anymore and was getting cheated on by a sex addict. Like my whole world just like crashed and I was done. And I thought that was heavy, but like bringing up this, like how- That's pretty heavy. So heavy, right? (laughs) But then here at 42- all over again, like you have manifested your mother. Mm-hmm. You have manifested a relationship with a mentally ill narcissistic human. And how could you allow yourself to be here? Like it was like having this moment of, wow, I turned my back on myself and yeah. I should know better. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I coached this. I should know better. Did you have a sense of like guilt of like, oh, did I just let my self down in this. Oh yeah. I think the morning I was having was morning for that little girl mm-hmm. who wanted to try and walk away, but no one could help her. Mm-hmm. Like the school couldn't help. My dad couldn't help. My friend's parents couldn't help. And then going, well, I guess this is normal. 
And then having that compassion as to why I would allow myself to even stay in a relationship this long and withhold really important information from my friends that would actually allow them to give me the coaching. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I came to the choice when I think I might've said it to you or Alexa or one of the girls and said, I don't think I told you the whole truth because I don't think I was ready to leave. Mm-hmm. And if I would have told you guys how bad it was, mm-hmm. I you would have said, leave him, right? Mm-hmm. And so I told just enough mm-hmm. to like kind of have a release. Mm-hmm. And I was like calm and my masculine and grounded and loving and forgiving and gentle. And, uh, 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 and yeah. then I get around my girlfriends and I would just crumble. Mm-hmm. I would just be in hysteria mm-hmm. because I was holding it together totally. for this unconscious yeah. mean, evil human. And you wanted it to work. Oh, you I were mean, like, you were the like dream. Ready. I yeah. wanted it, it to work. You know, this man yeah. wants to have babies. He's in the industry. Oh God. And then I learned he'd right. like never even really done any self-development <laughs> except for sat in an ayahuasca ceremony and went to <laughs> which, Peru and sat in 10 days I was like, oh my God, you never even had a coach or taken <laughs> one self-development right. training. Like right. I tried to quit every day in my friend's training. So it was like, <sighs> Yeah. It was just like mm. a nightmare, mm. but so worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, because I got to find me and I got to find Daniel and I got to really learn this, heal this wound with that 15 year old little girl who no one's coming to save you. Right. And I had to save myself and was expecting my friends to step in and fight for me and stick up for me and call this man forward and do all these things. And it's like, it's not their job. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be taking care of me yeah. and I'm making everyone else the responsibility, but I didn't even want to take care of Ooh, myself. Yes. So that yes. was the morning that was really heavy. Like the baby, the little baby, Amber, baby Amber that was doing the best she could. And she was so used to living in a world where she had to pretend everything was okay. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't okay. It wasn't. And it was killing me. My body was shutting down. My hair was falling out. Like I was having all this bacteria in my stomach. Those everything about my body was like, get out of this relationship. Mm, in so and, many ways. And I didn't listen. Mm. My business suffered. Mm. I spent so much money on this person and, and help and paying for all these things. And, but yeah, what a beautiful gift on what we do what for a gift, love. Right. What a, what a gift, the gift of yourself. So you're on the other side Yeah. and you have found an incredible man. Yeah. So Take us through that because you had a few dark nights of the soul, but then almost really soon, very soon, you found this incredible human. So how was, but you, you dove into the the healing to clear a lot of it. Oh yeah. So take us through the short time in between and how did you end up finding this, this amazing human? Yeah. So I took radical responsibility I faced my demons. I purged. I cried. I fasted. I had many Reiki and energy healings. Mm -hmm. I had cord cutting ceremonies. I had Akashic Records readings. I had deep theta healings. You're like, I'm going to go into it all. (laughs) We're going to have to list it all in the show notes of what Amber has done. If there's anything that she has not done, I would be very surprised. Well, I didn't do any medicine. Like I didn't take any- Traditional medicine. No, ayahuasca or- or plant um, medicine. Like I didn't, I went completely sober. Um, and I did like tapping and body talk and trauma. So I was meeting with the trauma therapist and then I had another, um, trauma therapist that was referred to me by the sheriff because I reported this incident. Oh, wow. And then I ended up withholding, taking the charges back because I realized I just didn't want to be his lesson and I didn't want Mm -hmm. to bring all that up. So you you later reported it and yeah, I reported it. And I think the healing for me was I never got to really report it when I was a kid. Mm. And I didn't get to report it when my boyfriend at 22 choked me out. Like I didn't want to be in trouble. So there was some pretty heavy physical abuse that I I didn't ever report. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a bit of, I felt like my little inner child was sitting with me in that sheriff station and the sheriff was so amazing. And I played the voice recordings and I I showed him all the evidence and and they affirmed it was second degree Mm -hmm. assault. And Second degree assault. Mm -hmm. So for anyone that's listening that is kind of like, oh, well, you know, why don't you ever report things? Or if something really did happen, why didn't you ever tell anybody? I think this is the really big reason why. 
Yeah. And I just had so much compassion for women who have been raped or women who've been, I mean, really physically injured and not said anything or waited a month, three years. Like I waited a month. Like it took me a month because at that point I was just trying to reset my nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I blocked and blacked so much out that it wasn't until I went back and listened to these voice notes that I was like, oh my God. Like Like, shit, this really happened. Holy shit. Not only did that happen, but this is so not okay. Mm -hmm. But when you're in that trauma response of survival, you, your right mind isn't there. Your, your survival brain is there. And so like doing my retreat and like going in and doing all these healings and spending so much time alone and, and deep prayer and, you know, leaning on, I mean, the Austin Sheriff Department was amazing. And Mm -hmm. them having me fill out basically this quiz and seeing how much abuse was actually happening that I had to mourn for that. Right. That's a denial of Mm -hmm. all of this emotional and mental abuse that was happening and financial abuse and all these things that I was like, oh, that's abuse. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't even recognize it. I didn't even know because I was, again, so used to that in most of my relationships and also as a child, I didn't have a bottom line. I didn't have a, a resource to what's normal and okay and what's right. acceptable and not. And it must so, not be that bad. must not be that bad. So my wires were extremely crossed. And so grieving for that and grieving for that person. And mm-hmm. I just want to say to anybody out there, like it's not up to anybody to decide how long is appropriate for you to report something if it's true. And I think that a lot of people There's think so that, well, if it's that. true, oh, I was so shamed. And like, what's this going to mean for the community? And what's this going to mean for us? What and even this, even this podcast is going to come out, like, what are the repercussions going to be? And mm-hmm. this is a part of my dharma. This is a part of my experiences to being honest. And your next evolution and let it be on the brave table. I mean, yeah, this is the first time I was, I can't <laughs> even believe I wasn't going to talk about this today, but like it's out and it's like, I, I hope that this gives you courage to know that there's nothing wrong with you. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to do the good work on yourself so that it doesn't happen again. And, um, you know, if I, if I had any regrets of any of this, I would say it would be that I withdrew the charges. That would be a big regret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that because now I feel like it's going to happen to another woman. I mean, the fact that this person is still not even apologized to mm-hmm. me to this day for anything. Oh, wow. And I reached out to make amends. Oh, that's how I manifested my partner. So I did all this deep healing yeah. and manifesting a home, like, all this stuff. And you guys, you got to know with this last partner, like we were trying to get pregnant. Thank God that didn't happen. We were trying to buy a home. Everyone was like, what are you doing? Don't do this. Mm -hmm. He had no money down. He was using my credit. Like there was like so many things that were happening. So many red flags that I was like in denial because I wanted the house and I wanted the dream. And and I did all that deep work and went and stayed with one of my coaches for two weeks and got really healed up and and did sound healings and just really took it easy. And Mm. I decided I was going to make amends. I wanted to reach out and clean it up. I wanted to take full responsibility and to be the leader that I say I am. And I felt out of integrity. The spirit woke me up and said, you're out of integrity. You preach unconditional love, but you're withholding Mm. forgiveness and completion with this person. Mm. And so I reached out and took hours to write this beautiful letter that two of my mentors approved me sending. And I sent it and I wanted to hug it out and have a mediator and clean it up so we could move on and not reincarnate again together sure. and not have to learn this again. And yeah, another lesson. Yeah. He refused. And mm. so you were ready to like, just forgive, let, let go, go and just yeah. let go. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And cause, or else I'm not walking my walk. Like how can I ask my students to make amends with right. those in their life? Or you hold up so many students in Lightworkers Academy. Yeah. Just, in the mastermind and the other programs I do, it's just we have to walk our walk. And I'm like, we're out of integrity. Like our community is expecting more out of us. If we are going to be leaders teaching love and consciousness and creating heaven on earth, that we got to start here in the micro to the macro. And oh. he refused. And the very next day I met Daniel mm. and I feel like mm. that was my initiation from spirit. And when spirit tells me to do stuff from now, I just do it. And spirit was like, clean it up, clean it up. And it was loud. Like you got it. And I was like, I want to take responsibility for the part I played. So I want to say, I'm sorry to you for these things. Because you can't really take responsibility for somebody else's shit. And then that point, it was like, all right, listening to your intuition, really leaning into what your spirit guides are saying. And you're kind of like, all right, this is my walking orders. This is, this is (laughs) it. I'm going to just let this big piece, this huge boulder, and I'm going to let it go, let it roll. I'm going to love it and send it light. Be gone. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to hate you. Mm. You know, like. How beautiful. I want to clean it up. How beautiful. Or else who are we? But it's, he was a no and it's all good. But 
that doesn't matter to me because I got what I needed. Mm. The healing is always within you. And I don't think I would have been ready for this king had I not and he's seen the complete contrast <laughs> of what a man this is and a, a partner looks like. This is a relationship that like, oh, you guys, you got to see them together. It's just so, it is so beautiful. And for those of you out there who are calling in your king and, are, and that's one of your intentions, I mean, the relationship that I've seen Amber and her king, her main man, her and her and Daniel just have created has been so incredible to watch and see and and you soften into your feminine and to really be able to still you still lead in yeah. a masculine way, but all of your feminine energies are coming out in just such a playful way in such a big and loud way. And it's just, it's so beautiful to see. Love. Thanks, babe. And I think Ooh. really, it really ladies and gentlemen who are ready to call in their partners, just know that there is someone out there that can hold you and can Mm. hold your fire. And it's going to be to the level in which that person has done their own inner work because they both have to be able to do their own work. They have to. And accept their personal responsibility. And And you're right. it takes time. And it takes time. And it's not just like one or two ayahuasca. It's not really going to do it. One of a pasta, (laughs) one ayahuasca, and we're good. (laughs) Like, are you ready to get a coach and and hire somebody, coach, therapist, any of the modalities that like Amber has dove into? We're going to literally create show notes and like- And it's never done. And that's also what I want to say. The work is never done. Exactly. And if someone is like, I'm good, I've done it, I don't need anymore, run from that person. Spiritually bypassing on a huge level. (laughs) Because I will forever have a coach. I will forever have a mentor. I will always continue to to learn. And yeah, I mean, Daniel and I have our stuff. I mean, we're we're in the out of the honeymoon phase. It's like, oh, this is the real stuff. You get to like lean in and weave and learn how to be with one another. This is the juice. Communicate, but it's not, it's nowhere close to the other person that was really unable to meet me there. At least I have someone That's now that higher. can meet me in a conversation that's triggering and, and not scream, yell, or throw things. So. Ladies, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. <laughs> and I just I just want to say I'm so... Ugh, this was so brave. Wow. I'm just this like so having a little bit of vulnerability <laughs> hangover in this moment, but it's all good. This is so brave. Nita just, I totally <laughs> forgot we had cameras pretty much, and here we are. Here we are, letting it all Be out. Be brave. We're letting be brave on the table. Okay, so this is our igniting round. Oh, this is a segment where we get to go through these questions. Quick, you can go quick. You can take it a little slow, but uh, let's let's roll with it. Okay. So describe your magic moment of suck. I feel like this probably this this whole thing was, but any sort of like uh, failure, shitty human moment that's led you to today or have given you the grace. Wow. I mean, there's so many. I had a breakdown with one of my dearest friends Mm. and we're, we're on the men now. We're in a good, we're in a good place now. Uh, we're not back like we were, but we're, we're working on it, but it had me pivot out of kind of feeling the safety of showing up in their communities Mm. and, and supporting them. And it brought up all my man wounds and brother wounds and and father wounds. And it just like, it really had me go deep into that, Mm -hmm. but also propelled me into really going in on my business. And so that energy and time that I was spending supporting and coaching had me pivot really all in on my stuff, which really exploded my business that year. It was almost like the baby chick Mm -hmm. that's like, I was dabbling. I had my programs, but I wasn't going like ham in the light worker space. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was a gift because if it wasn't for that breakdown, I probably wouldn't have gotten tunnel vision on my own stuff. I would have continued to still support and be in their community, in their container. So little baby chick flew out of the wings. It was painful to fly out of there. She flew um, with a I little, 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 little broken wing, but you, you expanded and yeah. magnified and here you are. Yeah. What is a ritual or a practice that's elevating your life right now? Well, Book, I'm going ham on the Grant Cardone right now. And okay. I, Grant Cardone, I know. Shout out Grant Cardone. I have hey. been avoiding Grant's work for <laughs> 10 years, but I am getting really called into the real estate space. Boss man. Yeah. And he's a beast. He's a beast. And so I just started his like 21 day challenge to get up 
in the morning before the sun. Okay. So today I got up before the sun. Okay, girl, you do and, you. Um, right. You know, I teach morning ritual and I teach all that stuff, but the stuff that Grant has us do is very 3D. Sounds very masculine. Which I love. And <laughs> yeah, because you're like super up in the... Yeah, yeah. and so... One of my zone of geniuses is really combining the 3D and the 5D with spiritual entrepreneurs because mm. you have to get to action. Yes. And so I'm really excited about my level up. Oh, yeah. And getting up earlier Ooh. and having like those three to four extra hours in the morning and being able to, because my team's expanded so much. So mm-hmm. I'm loving switching it up. Yeah. And doing something like writing these goals. They're huge goals that like you don't even know. Like I've put on there like, $10 million in real estate. Yes, like, girl. Like, like Juicy. 10 best-selling books. Like Juicy. Big, big, private jet. All these audacious, things. Audacious. I say it. Audacious, audacious goals. Yeah. I never write goals like that. Mm. I'm usually like, okay, let's do a million this year. What Like right. goals that are like- Playing it safe. Exactly. Playing it safe. And so he is teaching me to play bigger. Go big. And it's not from a vanity space, but it's like, if I have a private jet, I can fly my friends and my clients all over the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And like- retreats and all these things. Like it gets me excited. So that, so I'm doing these crazy goals twice a day, morning and night. You write them down and they don't have to make sense. Like I have healthy, happy kids. I, you know, just, I have a best-selling TV show. I love that. You know, like all that, just, just keep going that you're like, well, that came out of nowhere and just write it down. Oh my God. But he says he's every single one of them have come true. I, I mean, I believe it. We have our own rituals and yeah, I totally believe it. So go Grant, go Grant, go you love, go you. One word that's describing the season of life. It's got to be three words. Scale with ease. But I also feel oh, like, okay. but okay. I definitely, I'm in a scale year. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm committed to lighting 1 million souls on fire. And I definitely feel like this is going to be the year where I 10X my audience. I'm playing a bigger game this year. So scale, but scaling with ease. Mm. Mm. Scaling that. with play. Let's call it scaling with, with play. play. Scale with play. Okay. Okay. Because ease makes me even feel like I'm taught like lazy, but it's not ease is not lazy. Scale, but having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's let's have fun. All right. All right. I like it. All right. And 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 final question, where we bring it home, Amber. What does it mean to be brave? Well, it means to say things on Nita's podcast that you didn't plan on saying with your armpit sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. uh, Being brave means being your truest self as if no one was watching, as if no one was watching or no one would ever find out. Like, who would you be? What would you say? How would you act if there was no cameras, no recording, and no one would know? That would be like the bravest thing I think anybody could do. That's like the ultimate brave. So powerful. And so we'll end with this. Amber, what a light you are to Mm -hmm. so many. And it is just, I'm just so honored that you divulged so much. And (laughs) just helped. I feel like this is such a needed conversation for so many women. And so thank you for going first in so many ways. So powerful. And where can we all learn more about you? Ambervaldez.com. I am Amber Valdez on Instagram. And, uh, Connect with me in your third eye and your meditations. Just blast out the bat signal and I'll I'll get you. I'll catch you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining the Brave Table. All right, my loves. Wow. Welcome back. So, yes, powerful, powerful episode for you. I hope you got a lot out of this. And I know that for those of you who perhaps may think that you might be in a violent situation, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's mental. Abuse is abuse. And the domestic violence hotline is 1-800-799-7233. I know that Amber shared that one of the things she regretted was not reporting her accuser or taking the charges off. And I know that, again, this can be a very triggering topic. I know that for myself, it was the one thing that I had to make sure that other women who would follow in suit and date that person, they would see that this person had a track record under their belt. And so I think it's so important for us to protect other women as well as not only that, but just mostly protecting yourself. And so 
there are resources here, especially if you are South Asian or Asian, Manavi.org. Manavi.org is a beautiful organization here in the States. So is Saki. Saki.org is based in New York. That is spelled S-A-K-H-I.org. You can send this to any of your friends. Uh, for those of you who are in Chicago, Upnagar, we've done a lot of work with them in the past with my foundation called Independent Awakening. And this was a very long time ago, but Upnagar is still going strong, 30 years supporting the Asian diaspora, the South Asian diaspora, and that's A-P-N-A-G-H-A-R.org. Now, some of the things that you can do to be such a great friend to those and even for yourself, have compassion for yourself, be a listening ear, take your friend out for a walk. And if you feel, call them forward, ask them. Just like how I was asked by my girlfriend in the middle of a restaurant, is this the life that you want to lead? You have a choice. You have a choice, Nita. And I'll never forget, her name is Jagu. Jagu, wherever you are, love you, girlfriend. If it wasn't for her, I don't know what I'd do if I would have waited uh, till a lot longer or later. And she sparked a whole cascade of events that would lead to my greatest awakening. And as Amber shared, we all have those great awakenings and that has led her to her most beautiful relationship, which is with her and her partner, Daniel. So I know it can happen for you. Just trust yourself that on the other side, there's growth, there's expansion and really the greatest love of all, which is the love of yourself. And sometimes we need that space. Sometimes we need that reckoning. Sometimes we need that breakdown in order to break through into your next evolution and your next chapter. And we are here to support. And so if you love this episode, if this episode sparked or inspired you in some way, please share this with a friend. And as always, we love, love your reviews. It helps episodes like this get into the hands of people that need it the most. And we would love for you to rate this a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. And as a thank you for being such a huge part of the community, we will send you the seven-day emotional mastery course. That's right, from my best-selling book, Emotional Grit, for you. And that's nowhere else but here when you send it to support at globalgrit.co. That is support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, at globalgrit, G-L-O-B-A-L-G-R-I-T dot co. I will see you next week. Continue to be brave and have brave conversations, everyone. Mm-hmm.